Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn, and I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen Mooney, and I head up branding at Ballard. And we're your hosts. Hey, y'all. Out of the room and do our trials and triumphs. We don't Sounds need her. Good. Boo. Boo. Get She's out of here. that dumb baby. Dumb babies. That's real cute. <laughs> I'm already planning the marriage of her baby and your baby. I mean, her baby's real cute. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my baby will be lucky to get her. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. You never know. <laughs> All right. We won't plan that far ahead. All right. Give it a minute. All right. All right. You go. You feel you like, I feel like you've first? got some good stuff that even has to do with our special guest, Brad. I do. Okay. I do. Um, so my, I'll start with my trial this week. And my trial is that we live in an old ranch. That's it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you all know this. Um, live in an old ranch and it has the attic fan. Um, I love I've an attic about fan. This, right? Yes. The sound of an attic fan is very nostalgic. Is it? To me. Mine and always just scared that fan's going to fall through and onto my oh. leg. <laughs> it's scarier for me, but um, we have one of those, and it's great in our house because we can open the windows in the fall, and it's amazing. It cools down for – so for the Halloween party, we usually open all the windows and turn on that baby, and then we don't have to worry about the AC. Mm-hmm. Uh, P.S. Am I not being invited this year? You're invited. You're always invited. I don't have an invitation. It's a standing invite. She's lying. Oh my God. All right, go ahead. Um, No, (laughs) you are always welcome. I love the more the merrier. It has always been my quote. Allison, you're welcome to come too. Allison's (laughs) helping us record. Um, So I was like, David, you got to fix that. And he was like, I can't find the belt. They don't make those belts anymore. And it was the big belt. Just because it was too loud? Uh, No, it it snapped. The belt on it snapped. I apologize. So. It wasn't working this past year, and um, with our party coming up, I was like, well, we, uh, you got to fix the attic fan. He's like, I can't. They don't make those belts anymore. Well, they do. He just had said that and hadn't <gasps> researched yet. Oh. So he got he, up. He, but let's just remember that he's the guy who said when the lights were flickering in your house, yeah. that's just the way it is. That's just because our house is old. And you're like, no, it's because something's it's wrong. It's true. I, I do have to like follow up with uh-huh. everything he states because he does it in a solid manner where I'm like, oh, it's it's the truth. And then, and then you're like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I, um, so he went up in the attic and fixed it and it works. How so I'm did really you, excited. How did you discover there was said fan belt replacement? He he went up there. No, no. How I did you find broken. one? No, how did you figure out he was a liar? Oh, well, he was the one who did it. He then oh. followed up and was like, oh, I found the belt. As if maybe he wanted to seem like a hero, question maybe, mark. Because I was like, oh, my God, you're amazing. How did you find that? I'm sure it was on Amazon. I hope or he's Lowe's dressing or- as like a mechanic for Halloween. <laughs> he should. He should. <laughs> um, we are going with SNL characters this year. I know only about 20% of people watch it anymore, but we definitely do. Mm-hmm. And we're pumped. <laughs> I think I'm going to go as Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think I'm going to go with that. We'll see. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I just, they've been doing that on the show lately. I know. And it's so good. <laughs> so good. Okay, anyway, so that was my trial that turned into a triumph. Okay. Um, but my actual triumph is I was actually at 
our guest today, Bradley, I was at his store, Dixon Rye, here in Atlanta, um, perusing like I like to do because it's a gorgeous store. It really is a great shop. Mm-hmm. And they have these extremely tall candles, these very natural, organic looking, you can tell they're hand dipped candles on the back wall. And he has them, so they're still connected too by the wick at mm-hmm. the top. So, so the tapers. Mm-hmm. And, well, some of them don't taper. Some are straight. Um, And he has a beautiful gold Dixon Rye emblem, like, right at the bottom of him, stamped into the base of the candle. Mm -hmm. And there were tapers, and there were, you know, for your candlesticks. I don't think he had any big ones, like the pillars. But anyway. I have a few black pillars from there. He does black ones. Have you seen his black ones? They must have been there. I didn't notice. that. Mm. I was so focused on this wall. Well, I, like, Instagrammed a photo of these candles because they were so gorgeous. And people... Like I had three different people ask if they were nunchucks because, <laughs> because I was like, have to have these. And people were like, are those nunchucks? And I was like, no, it's a candle. The wick is just still attached. But because of the two big candles on the end, people thought they were nunchucks. And I was like, no, I, I didn't need those. I was, <laughs> yes. I was needing the black candles. So um, I bought a set and I don't know if I am going to light them at my I know, party or not. Them? I usually am the kind of person who's like, use it. Yeah. There's there's no point. I will buy more if he has them. They are gorgeous, but mm-hmm. if, yeah. But I'm torn because they also look really good because they're black. And, yeah. And all my candle holders are brass. Ooh, and so they just pretty. look so good all the time uh-huh, out. So uh-huh. I don't know. Can't decide. But they're really, he had really tall ones and they were really cool. So I had to. Let me ask this though. When you do get a new taper and you put it in there, don't you burn the wick a little so it doesn't look like a brand new candle? Or do you have an unburnt wick? I'll start from an unburnt wick. Oh, so you leave it there unburnt. See, I'm a firm believer that you have to burn the wick a little so it doesn't look like a brand new candle sitting in the thing. Oh, I have never. Because I'm crazy. But I've never paid attention to anyone else's candles. If they're, I've noticed if they don't have a candle in their right, candle holder. Right. But I've never been like, mm, they're missing. Yeah, like, oh, the wick. Uh-oh. Well, note to self, going home to burn some wicks <laughs> before Karen shows up my Halloween right? party. That's right. Judging with my lighter going around judging, lighting all your candles. Literally judging. <laughs> That's true. That's what I thought you meant. That's so good because I'm so judgy. It is a perfect Halloween. Circling back. That's really the triumph of this Mm -hmm. whole. (laughs) The original OG. I love it. I love it. I guess it's not original OG. It's just OG. Just OG. OG, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That was mine. I was really excited about them. So that was totally a triumph. That is a great shop. Everybody go if you live in Atlanta. Dixon Rye. It's on Howell Mill. It's really good. (laughs) It is. There's, oh, there's a shout out good. for the store. Yeah. All right. You ready for me? Mm-hmm. It's, good. it's good. I hope it's good. Uh, it's mm-hmm. mediocre at best. Okay. So my triumph is my bathroom. So my master bathroom, when we redid our house, I don't know, four or five years ago, I never really got mirrors in my bathroom. I got just some Ikea, you know, $2.99 flat pieces of mirrored surface and put it above the <laughs> sinks. They weren't really mirrors and they yeah. were functional and it was totally fine. Um, but I always wanted something else and just never really found anything. Well, Ballard. Thank you, Ballard. Uh-oh. All sorts of shout outs. Yeah. I finally was able to find an Amazeballs mirror at Ballard Designs called the Hallstad mirror. It's brand new. I think it was new in August of this year. H-A-L-S-T-A-D. Okay. So it's super simple, but... It's pretty. It is, yeah, it's 
it's refined in a way, but not fancy, just enough of everything that I wanted. But the interesting thing about this mirror and my bathroom is that all of my fixtures in my bathroom are just chrome. When I redid my house, I did chrome in every bathroom because literally at that point I couldn't think anymore and I didn't want to make any more decisions. So I was like, I'm just going to get everything chrome, then I'll figure out the bath, blah, blah, blah. Instead of like, this bathroom's oral raw bronze and this one's polished nickel, I just went chrome. Which is, I think, the most basic and, you know, probably the most often used. Finish. I would say the most traditional finish right. for a bathroom. Right. So everything in my bathroom is chrome, all the fixtures. Um, but I have a vanity that's dark brown. It's sort of a floating vanity. It's kind of modern. Um, doesn't have legs, floating, hence, um, attached to the wall. But I got the mirror in oil rub bronze. Mm-hmm. Which you'd think, oh, no, I need to have it be chrome to match the whatever. But yeah. up on that wall, it's perfect because it just echoes the brown of the vanity. And I love them so much. Again, though, my lack of measuring skills almost backfired because it was like within a quarter of an inch of not fitting. But it fit. Holy. Because you had to get it like behind the faucet and on the wall. Yeah. But it just barely, barely fit. Barely And they're perfect. And I have a picture that I've taken that we can post in our notes. That is amazing. So the, just by finding those mirrors to bring in that same color and warmth, it like tied everything together. It looks great. That's such a good feeling. Uh-huh. My other upside that I did copying Caroline McDonald is while I had an electrician in the house, I had him hang a towel warmer in there. You did? Yes. <gasps> Life-changing experience. Yeah, she said it was. She yeah. said you have to. Yeah, worth it. I have another thing to share with listeners. What wall did you put that on? (laughs) Where I had a towel bar. I had a towel bar like when you walk in the bathroom straight ahead. Got it. To the right of the shower. Um, So I just removed the towel bar, which we always hated anyway, because it's one of those double ones. I just don't think they work. A double towel bar. Mm -mm. Because the one in the back never gets dry. They're all, it's like must. I don't like them. Doesn't work. Don't like them. Replace that. Put that up. Now I've got to kind of rethink my wall and what's on the wall and around it and stuff and blah, 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 blah. But towel warmer, amazing. Great investment. It was like $2.99, I think, on Amazon. But here's something else that Bradley talks about in this episode. He talks about having his sheets dry cleaned. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's like, life-changing. Okay, I disagree, Bradley. I tried it. Yeah. Mm -mm. It It didn't change my life at all. Same Could old you tell? experience getting in the bed. Did you put them on like super pumped, yeah, like yeah. so pumped? Yeah. And then you're like. I even got Joe Mooney bought it. I'm like, I'm going to try this, honey. We're going to these dry and we'll see what it has. And he's like, yeah, man, you know, Mm-mm. no, mer, mer. I don't think that's worth it. So maybe if you have linen sheets. Maybe if they're, yeah, because those get so wrinkly. Yeah, so maybe. but I'd have percale. So that was not worth it. Life lessons from my <laughs> FYI, life experience. I, I tried it and mm-hmm. I did not like it. Not worth it. Okay, now my trial. Triumph is my bathroom in general. It's coming along five years later. <laughs> you got it. Still working on yes. it. Oh, and I got an outlet installed under my floating vanity so that my hairdryer plugs in while it's in the drawer and I don't have to have cords all over, you know, my cord obsession. So that yes. was all good. Karen, that's huge too. Mm-hmm. I don't, those are all very big things. I know, these are I lots of triumphs. Yeah. I'm, I'm not wasting them. I've got lots of triumphs in my life, Karen. Okay, so that's three amazing. this week. <laughs> You're in the most positive light. Everyone's going to thank you who's listening. Yeah. Okay, trial. Ready? Yes. I don't think I've mentioned on here that I'm renovating my basement. I'm renovating my whole entire basement. I think I've told you. You're looking you at me You told me. That's why I'm mm-hmm. questioning. I was like, I don't think I've mentioned it on okay. here. 
So this is my first installment of 4,000 about my basement renovation. So it is the size of the whole footprint of my main floor. Um, and it's not, you know, like a tall basement. It slopes from the front towards the street to the backyard. So when you get to the backyard, it's, you know, probably a seven foot ceiling, but towards the front yard, it's, I'd say six, something like that. So we decided we were going to have it dug out, blah, 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 which we did. Yeah. We had it dug out. We had a crew come in that only about half of it, half of it we're going to keep for storage and kind of workout room. Mm-hmm. And those are fine to have like a shorter ceiling because I'm not doing like jumping jacks or anything in there. I'm just bar- barely lifting a, a, an <laughs> arm. Um, so we had the back dug out, which was really not that big of a deal. Like a crew came in, jackhammered out the cement, dug it out in maybe three days and then relayed cement on the fourth day and done. So suddenly we have like tall ceilings and all stuff. Anyway, they've progressed nicely. Everything's been studded out. Drywall has been installed. Oh my gosh. I know. It's crazy. And I'm liking it. It's one of those projects that started out as like one room and now it's 28 rooms. But anyway, (laughs) here is my trial. First trial of many, I'm assuming. I don't know why, but for some reason the power is off downstairs while they were doing the drywall and everything. And the power is going to stay off until they finish. So they're coming back today and they're mudding. I don't know. They're doing things. I'm su- and they're going to be working and I'm not going to have power to like next week, but I'm supposed to pick my paint colors by Monday. I don't have power down there. I can't like put up swatches and look at it. Well, that is a what trial. am I going to do? I don't know how you do it. So I've got to go. You obviously can it. tell what it looks like in the dark. Right? <laughs> I got to hightail it this weekend, pick my colors because I'm thinking that the whole thing, ceiling walls, trim, everything is going to be one like dark, yes. bluey, peacocky yes. blue color. Yes. Glossy. Yes. Crazy, right? Oh my gosh, yes. I know. That's really different for me. So I'm, It's very different, mm-hmm. and, but I'm very much digging the vibe of your basement yeah. already. So I'm a little nervous about that, but I, it has to be the right blue. That'll it's be a, a big mistake if I get the wrong blue. Yeah. And without lights, I'm a little <laughs> concerned. So that's my trial, but I don't know. Well, I have two because of the den I just did. Mm-hmm. And repainted. I do have it's that peacocky. Um, I have two Pharaoh and Ball swatch samples. If you need, oh, you do. Yeah, we bring are, them into the yeah, office. They're hog blue and they're Incheron blue. So I'll bring them. Did in. Did you get actual Pharaoh and Ball paint? I did. <gasps> I went Splurgy. and got the little. Yeah. Did you go to Verde Home up the street? Where'd you get it? Um, the one over off Paces Ferry. Oh, okay. uh, they carry it over there, and yeah, they have their itty bitty cans for eight dollars. But I was like, treat yourself, and then I m- color matched it. Okay, so for the big project, you color matched. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, what is your What is your brand paint of choice? Paint brand of choice. Um, I don't know. You don't have one. I don't have one that I stick to. Interesting. We've used a lot of Sherwin Williams, mm-hmm. but I will say we also renovated when we both were. 26 and getting married and there was a lot of money spent everywhere. So anyway. But Sharon Williams is supposed to be really good paint. It was great. It's been great. I mean, we've had no issues with it with the dog and wiping it down and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So I've very much liked it. So we've done a lot of Sharon Williams and we've done a lot of Benjamin Moore too, though, Mm -hmm. because there's a store near us too. So yeah, those are the two we pretty much stick to, I think. Mm -hmm. What about you guys? Well, I am a age old Ace Hardware paint fan. 
Oh. I really like the Ace Hardware brand, but when we did our renovation, um, I'm 99% sure it was I all Sherwin, Sherwin Williams. But I've really been pleased with the quality of the Ace paint over the I've years. I've never, ever heard of anyone even being like the Ace paint. I know. I'm going to, I did not even know they had paint. But there's an Ace right up the street from my house that I'm very loyal to. You know, yeah. I ever know their names, they know ours. I, I try to give them as much money as possible because I want them to stay in business. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Way to support them. I know, right? I'm a giver. <laughs> anyway, so that's my thing. I'm going to keep you updated on my basement saga. Yes. And then you need to, it's supposed to be sunny this weekend on oh, Sunday. That's, okay, good. And you need to like have your swatches ready to put into your basement when there's the sunniest part of the day. Because if you're point. not going to have power down there, I know. You need to do it. I'll have like my as phone. Bright as you can. <laughs> I know. The positive is, is it's supposed to feel like kind right, of dark and moody. So the positive is you're picking it kind of in that light anyway. So right. that's the good thing is like you kind of just need to light some candles around your paint swatch. And, <gasps> that's and a then good like, idea. Or run some extension cords and some lamps or something. Yeah. just so you, Yeah. Because that's all you're going to have. I don't imagine you're going to bright light anyway. No, I'm planning it all very kind of loungy, dimly lit, lots mm-hmm. of velvets and jewel tones and goldy colors and... I, I hope there's some like leopard print because I can already fit the. I don't have any planned yet. Karen. I know. For a lounge in your basement? I know. For you? I know. I mean, you're wearing leopard right now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't resist it. You probably need to get some. Leopard. I was thinking I might take my zebra needlepoint rug down there out of my bathroom. That's good. Throw that get down some animal in front of the bar. I'm buying, I'm buying the Compton's bar from Ballard Designs to put in there for Joe's bar. And I'm pretty excited about that because it's really. I think it's real sexy. It's gray and sort of suede and brass nail heads. And, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. And I've ordered- get a neon with Joe's name? No, it's classy. Classy, Taryn. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but that- I've already ordered a lot of stuff from Ballard, so I'll let you. I'll keep you posted as things arrive and how it looks. All right. I don't so want to tell it all I today. I can the update. Yeah. It'll be good. I like it along the way. I like a good project. And then maybe that becomes our recording studio. Oh <laughs> and then you all have to see it <laughs> and yeah. help us pick along the way. We can have listeners help us pick. We could. I, I need advice. That's for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, should we get to it with, with Caroline and Bradley? Bradley. Absolutely. All right. Awesome. Here we go. <laughs> all right. We're so excited to introduce our guest today. His name is Bradley Odom, and he owns a very um, iconic store here in Atlanta called Dixon Rye. And you're also our neighbor. Yes. (laughs) Just down the street from us. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. You do have an amazing store. Amazing. It's like so inspirational and cool. And uh, I mean, it's just got such a nice vibe to it. How did you get there? Because I know you went to SCAD. I know so little about you. Tell us everything. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, Okay. Well, I have been in retail my whole career. Um, Sort of skipped college when everyone else was going to college and got a job as a part-time salesperson at a retail store in Jackson, Mississippi. Was it apparel or home? It was apparel. Okay. Yeah. Were you folding Um, sweaters? Folding sweaters, Mm -hmm. selling cute (laughs) colored socks. Um, And then loved it. I was like a top salesperson. And then, you know, from there, they're like, oh, do you want to be a manager? And I'm like, oh, I can be a manager. (laughs) So um, 
I said yes and went home and told my parents that I wasn't going to college <laughs> and that didn't go over so well. And But I did it anyway and kept moving my way up through the ranks and spent 10 years with um, J. Crew. Um, when I left J. Crew, I was director of sales and training for Kellogg and e-commerce. And then for spent the next 10 years at um, West Elm. And when I left there, I was uh, director of design education. So I created our entire home stylist program and um, mm. did all the training for stores in regard to culture and artisans that we were working with throughout the country, et cetera. So, oh, that's cool. So that was, was that your idea, coming up with that, that local artisan stuff? Uh, no, not that piece. I Just wish I could take, take credit. credit for that, but I can't. Um, that was the brilliant Jim Brett, who's now the CEO at J. Crew. Um, oh. oddly enough, but, um, no, but I did come up with the whole home stylist thing in terms of training and getting people into homes at mm-hmm. places like Williams-Sonoma mm-hmm. and Pottery Barn. So. That makes total sense because I feel like if you go into your store, the styling to me is like... His current store. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, it's obvious that style, you're just so good at it because everything is perfect yeah every like piece is beautiful absolutely and you don't realize what a difference that makes until you go into a store where they aren't doing it right and you're like ew this bookcase yeah. is so crowded or why are there so this i don't you can't even why doesn't it feel good it, yeah mm-hmm. I, you can't put your finger on why doesn't it feel good and then you go in a place like your place and you want to buy every single thing and touch every single thing because you want your house to look like your store it's really cool that part um, for me has always been the most important piece is that whole experiential shopping because I feel like, you know, people say brick and mortar dead and I don't believe that clearly. Agreed. And um, um, I think that, you know, I just think it's changed and it's different and that people want an experience. And part of that experience is how you merchandise the store, the products you choose to put in it. So we have a super creative team. Um, uh, and, you know, this past floor set, for example, and yes, we do floor sets, sort of like big box retail guys do in terms of we plan them out in advance and make really smart, educated decisions about what's going where for what season and why. And I think a lot of small boutique type stores don't necessarily do that, um, but we do. And part of that obviously is my background, but the other part is that you know, I want it to be something different. And with home furnishings, especially, especially, and you guys know this, is that um, the furniture itself doesn't change that often. But so in mm-hmm. order to keep it alive, it really mm-hmm. is dependent on the decorative accessories and pillows and things like that. So it's like, how do you make it feel new, even though it, it isn't necessarily new? And um, for us, that's really planning out that floor set every single season. And Matter of fact, this last floor set, one of the things that we specifically tried to do was we didn't plan it. And it was the first time. I mean, we had some sort of general ideas, but I was like, we're launching a new e-com website. And that um, the idea is like, let's take the whole store, pick it up and shake it and kind of see where things land two and a half years in to sort of re-envision what it looks like now. And I feel like if you come into the store, you see that. Um, that that shift and that change of what we've done recently. One of the things that I love about your your aesthetic is the scale. I feel like is like I I felt like you do a lot of things over scale, but like your accessories, for example, you don't really have like a ton on any one surface, but there's like one 
really big wow moment. And sometimes that's a, like a urn with some branches. Sometimes it's an amazing lamp. Or, and so I want you to maybe give us a little lesson in scale and how we can play with it like you do because you're yeah. so good at it. <laughs> well, I don't know that I have the unlock, if you will, but you know, we it's something we pay a lot of attention to. I think that for us in every moment or every footprint of the store, and in our design projects, we always say, you know, what's that item that's going to make the room? What's that one piece that's like either sort of overscaled, um, sort of a conversation piece, statement piece, if you will, um, that sort of makes this moment. In every footprint of the store, we always say, you know, okay, so what's the wood piece in here? What's the metal piece in here? What's the glass piece in here? As well as like, um, you know, what's the upholstered piece in here? Um, but like, what's the modern piece in here? What's the traditional piece in here? What's the transitional piece in here? Um, so that we are, because, you know, our whole thing is about the mix. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to me, it's a mix of materials and a mix of, um, and the way you play those. But then the other thing we do, and I'm sure you know this, you've heard people, other people say it, but then we usually look at that footprint or that moment or that item, if you will, and go, okay, what's too much? And mm -hmm. we take something away. Um, yeah. And that pretty much happens every single floor move or every new product we get in and place. It's sort of like, okay, well, that went in, so it's coming out. Um, my mom always called it like if you put something in the toy box, you have to take something out of the toy box and donate it. So <laughs> I feel like that philosophy is kind of stuck with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So wait, we cut off your background. Oh, sorry. Right? <laughs> no, we, we just no, jumped right we in. did it. Yeah, we did. Not your fault. Okay, so you were West Elm 10 years, crafting that beautiful vision of success. And then what happened? Um, you know, I sort of felt like I had had my run there. Mm -hmm. And I always knew that I wanted to open my own shop. Um, I didn't know that at the time I necessarily wanted to do design work per se, because I just sort of loved retail, loved products, loved merchandising, all those things. Um, but, you know, sort of in my process of trying to figure out what was next in my life, I thought, okay, wait, I'm doing a lot of decorating and things like that on the side for myself, for friends, you know, family, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, and knew that, too, part of just my own growth was that I wanted to go back to school and actually finish a degree. So, you know, I figured out that I could make it work to go to SCAD and get an interior design degree and maintain my work, too. And a Savannah College of Art and Design. And there's a campus in Atlanta and Savannah and then also a couple international Yeah, ones. like Lacoste, France or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> um, Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. um, no, I went to the Atlanta campus and I was scared to death because here I was 40 years old um, going back to school and trying to maintain a full-time career based out of Brooklyn as well. But I lived here. So I was commuting back and forth, and um, I thought, well, what's the worst that can happen? The absolute worst that can happen is I'm going to get fired. Well, I'm going to quit anyway, so yeah. kind of is what it is. <laughs> yeah. um, I was able to do that for the whole four years I went to SCAD, and at one point I had a conversation um, with the people at West Elm that are reported to and said, hey, I'm doing this and I hope you'll embrace it and um, know that it's just part of something I need to do for me. And um, they were like thumbs up. Oh, like as long great. as it doesn't, you know, they're an amazing company. They do incredible things. Um, and they endorsed it fully. And um, 
So yeah, I was able to um, go to SCAD for four years. And then sometime in that process of SCAD, I SCAD does an amazing job of like hosting all these competitions for their students. And there happened to be three and I won all three. And <laughs> <laughs> so in that process, I kind of was like, oh, oh wait. Those kids hate me. <laughs> oh, they totally hated me. They're like that old man. Oh, I know. How sure? did that feel being like the oldest guy in the room, except for the teacher? It was kind of amazing. Actually, actually I was older than the teachers. Nice. Uh, <laughs> but um, it was kind of amazing, actually. Um, SCAD is really collaborative. So... You know, I think that that or I'm just really immature and like people didn't <laughs> care, but um, we had a good time. You know, I um, we all helped each other. And at SCAD, you do a lot of presenting, a lot of presenting. Um, so and I had done a lot of presenting in my career. So for me, that was kind of like a no brainer. But for, you know, 20 something, early 20 yeah. somethings, you're like, ah. And um, so I was able to help them with presenting where they were able to help me with things that I hadn't done before, like, you know, all these like intense line drawings and these technical things like Revit and, you know, SketchUp and all that. So it was very much a win win for everyone, I think. But yeah, I'm sure in the back of their heads, some of them were like, oh. <laughs> yeah. um, no. I, Absolutely loved my time there and would go back again tomorrow. But it was hard. You know, I tell everyone I slept under my desk for four years, it feels like, or slept in my studio for four years. <laughs> um, didn't watch TV for like four years and didn't talk to friends for like four years. But wow. but it was incredible. Wow. Yeah. And um, is that how you landed in Atlanta? Cause well, I had already, I was still here. I was just commuting mm-hmm. all over the place. Um, but yeah. Um, that's sort of how I knew I was going to do the shop here is because I had been grounded here anyway and loved it and thought also that there was this amazing opportunity here to sort of do something different and um, kind of push us as a city because I love Atlanta. Like I always tell everyone, like I really love living here because people are always like, you know, 10 years of West Elm, like, why don't you move to New York? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't have a desire to live in New York. I really love Atlanta and my community is here. And at West Down, we talked so much about community and artisans and all that. And I was like, my community is there. Right. So, um, you know, I knew I wanted to do the store here and um, thought that I had an opportunity to sort of bring something to Atlanta that maybe wasn't already here. So hopefully we've done that. Have your parents forgiven you for your career path? Yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> I hope so. Um Seem to have anyway. At this point. Yeah. My mom gets lots of products, so she's I'm good. So she's good. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you want this chair? I don't tell her that it was marked down. <laughs> so when you have people coming into the store, what kind of problems are they trying to solve? Um, I think sometimes it's, to your point, scale. Um, I think what we hear a lot is about quality. Um, and we talk a lot about quality. We talk personally about where things are made and how they're made and who made them. Um, and, you know, we hear a lot of these stories of that, hey, I bought a sofa from, you know, wherever, and I've only had it two years. And right, it's it, falling apart. It's falling mm-hmm. apart. Um, why, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, then they look at our price tag and they're like, whoa. Right. And I go, well, it's going to last you 20 to 30 years. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you why. And so we talk a lot about the life cycle of products and, you know, I'm very much about, you know, product not ending up in a landfill after three years. And um, 
So, yeah, we talk a lot about that. And I think that the re-education of um, a generation, I think, of people who, you know, you've got a several different generations. You've got that generation of people who are used to their, like, parents and grandparents who like pass things down Mm -hmm. and then you've got that generation which I think my generation is actually guilty of of like oh I don't want that you know um I want all new and then you've got sort of these like millennials coming up who actually do care about it again and they're Mm -hmm. like oh my mom's giving me this piece they're more sentimental it seems yeah Yeah. so um you know so we do a lot of re-education of Think of like where things are made and why and why that's important and why you should care and how that sort of, you know, elevates your own personal story of what you're putting in your house. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think is the most important piece to invest in if you're a first time homeowner and your mom didn't pass anything along to you? What what's my investment piece? My first thing I should get. You know, I'm always torn by that because part of me (laughs) wants my initial gut reaction is always in that sense, to want to say your bed mm-hmm. because you spend a lot of time there, right? But I also think it's your sofa, and I think that's a more probably common answer, but you spend a lot of time there too, and it's something that people see when they come into your home, mm-hmm. but it's also because there are so many bad ones out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I did a small collection when we opened of private label designs um, that I have manufactured in High Point, North Carolina, and um, spent a lot of time on those. The initial, I always laugh because the initial sketches of those pieces happened on an airplane flying back and forth from New York. Um, But, you know, when we developed those before we opened and then produced them for the shop, um, I think because I spent so much time on that, it's really near and dear to my heart in terms of the actual upholstery pieces that you put in, say, your living room or your dining room. and so. What type of shape? I mean, I know that not everyone's going to want the same one, but, like, what type of shapes do you gear people towards that are going to last? I mean, if you're going to have it for 30 years. Sort of a timeless yeah, yeah. silhouette. Yeah, you know, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't know if I agree with timeless per se because um, – What's timeless now might not be timeless exactly. in 10 years. Does it exist? Yeah. So it's like, you know, who knows? But I think that if it speaks to you, right? Mm-hmm. So if you fall in love with that piece and you can really speak back to why you love that piece and why you purchased that piece to begin with, I feel like, you know, that um, that that's the most important aspect of it. Okay. I, have a, I have conversations all the time with clients and customers alike who are like, do I do a bench cushion or do I do, you know, a three over three kind of thing? And I'm like, well, you know, ask lots of questions. And how do you use that sofa? And, you know, what are you more drawn to? And why are you drawn to that? And um, sort of get to a place of, you know, comfort with a particular sofa. And, And there are times people aren't, you know, oh, I don't know about that whole bench cushion thing. This looks a little too modern. Right. Or, oh, the sofa's so deep. But I think once they sit on things and sort of understand it a little better and enjoy it, they tend to like it. So Plus, to your point, too, if you're buying quality, when you go to get it reupholstered in however many years, you can change it yeah, from a bench absolutely. cushion to a three, mm-hmm. yeah. a three. Or you can change the curve of the back or yeah. the way the arm looks. You have a lot of... It's really you know, about the core frame that matters the right. most. Yeah. I'm a really big bench cushion fan. You are? Why? <laughs> I... Because no one gets stuck in a 
crack. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you don't want to get stuck in a crack. <laughs> I was gonna say rut, <laughs> but Karen, also true. you are always like the nice one. <laughs> well, but so like if you do have a situation, you know, most times like two people are gonna sit on a couch, right? Like that's three. The person in the middle feels uncomfortable. It's awkward. But mm-hmm. if you do have an occasion where you have a lot of people, then you can sit three, and depending on how wide your sofa is. Maybe even four. My yeah. sofa is like ninety six inches, so it's pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you so don't feel like you, you have the bad seat. Yes, right. Everyone has an equal. Plus, seat. when you're laying down, it's so comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What kind of sofa do you have? I have a pretty basic. Um, it's not even my own. <laughs> um, what do you mean? Oh, the one you designed. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Please say uh, it's Ballard. <laughs> it's not. Uh, um. But it's a pretty standard track arm sofa, three over three. Um, Yeah, I love it because it's simple. Mm -hmm. Um, I can always change out the pillows. Um, We have a sofa in the store now that I'm sort of like itching for a little bit that I'm like, oh, two of those would be amazing and velvet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it's it's time for a for uh, a new sofa actually but my favorite sofa I ever had was from a shop in Birmingham Alabama I think I was like 26 years old and um, purchased the sofa that I was like obsessed with I would literally go visit the sofa on my days <laughs> off I love um, this. yeah and um, so finally was like okay we need to buy the sofa and we bought the sofa um and i had that sofa for gosh probably i don't know 10 years and loved it and it was a good standard sort of three over three and um but yeah i always think basic is good and you can really like splash up that basic if you will with you know obviously the right upholstery or Mm -hmm. the right um fabric and details and when i think of your shop speaking of color and stuff when i think of your shop i think pretty neutral Right? Would you agree? Yeah, neutral in a masculine way. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not full of color. It's not full of color, but it's also not beige. Um, so I think that you know, I sort of had a steadfast rule when we first opened <laughs> that we would never have a beige sofa on the floor, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> three beige sofas on the floor. Um, Mutiny. Well, you know, at the Even end of the words. day, the everyday customer has a hard time seeing past. You know, a, a spe- something that's really specific. Right. Um, yeah. So I think that we're we still those things to me are very like sort of iconic Dick's and Rye. Like we're always going to have those editorial pieces on the floor. But I think that um, and we're slowly but surely trying to educate the customer past like, hey, you Beige. can do more than a flax colored oatmeal sofa. Um <laughs> So, yeah. So is your home the same kind of vibe as your store or do you have more color? Like, is it exact? Is it an exact mirror of you? <laughs> it is not an exact mirror. I would say the store is sort of really close to me, you know, in terms of like my aesthetic um, that, you know, so my house sort of is. I think my house is um, a little more collected and curated over time. You know, it's things mm-hmm. that, gosh, I've had forever, you know, Um I mean, I have a decorative object that is like the ceramic VW Beetle that my mom did ceramics when I was a kid. I love it. So I still have this like bright yellow. It doesn't match anything. In and my you're house. acting it out. It looks like it's big. Yeah, it's you like, know, this like big. ten yeah. inches long. It is. <laughs> um, and it, it, like the 
license plate she hand painted on the back of it. It's like my initials and like whatever year Aww, I can't remember. That's but awesome. That is so cute. I'll have that thing forever. Of course you know? will. You know, and then I, want one. I mix it in with, um, you know, <laughs> all these things that, uh, you know, there are certain things you buy for the store and you sort of cross your fingers that they won't sell so that you can bring them home. <laughs> um, you don't want that. And then the rent comes horrible. to you and you're like, oh, just kidding. Sell <laughs> yeah. What is, okay, aside from the VW bug, what is the oldest thing or like the home decor thing that you've had the longest? Yeah, it's not, the, the provenance of it is an old. It's how long you've you, owned it is the longest. Yeah. Uh, wow, let me think. Um, I have a lamp that I've had since, gosh, um, my early 20s um, that's now in a bathroom. Um, oddly I love enough. a lamp in a bathroom, yeah. right? And in <laughs> kitchens. Like, people don't yeah, think about I that. Yeah, I love that, too. Um, it's small, and um, I don't even know where I got it, actually, it, I don't have to think about that, but um, I've had it forever. And it's just sort of like always found a place in my house. Um, it's moved all over the place, but it sort of always finds a It just home. works. Yeah, it just works. And what's your newest? Is that I your question? that too. Caroline. The newest would be a bed. Um, I just sort of redid my master bedroom. And um, it's a bed that I designed and had um, manufactured, and we sell it as part of the DR collection. But I did it in leather, and um, so it's a new leather bed in my bedroom. What's the wall color in your bedroom? My wall color is studio green from Pharaoh and Boss. It's really dark and moody. Shocking. (laughs) (laughs) Moody bedroom. I mean, because you're in there at night. Yeah. We did a presentation recently for a potential new design client, and she was like, it's really dark. And I was like, you're surprised by that? Yeah. You're like, have, <laughs> have you seen my work? Like, have you seen yeah. my work? <laughs> but it doesn't feel like, I don't ever feel overpowered by dark when I go in your store. Maybe it's because there's so many windows, yeah, and there I is a lot of it. white. You know, it just feels very contrasty to me. Yeah. A lot of white and black, which I love. Yeah, I love good. it. feels so clean. Um, but it doesn't feel cold and it doesn't feel dark to me. You know, the store present like the architecture of our store presents its own challenges because yeah, I love the fact that it's like this 1940s building and it's industrial and it's all the things I ever imagined. Um, I like want to live there. But what did it used to be? It was originally back in the day, HP Poss and they made boilers. Um, okay. but the last 25 years, it was sort of this ironworks foundry, um, which I feel like if you, that it alone is a, an iconic place yeah, in works, Atlanta. Yeah. They used yeah. to have these like crazy Fountains. sculptures. Sculptures. Mm-hmm. Like I remember one time there was like a life size horse yeah. made out of <laughs> iron. Like in the, mm-hmm. it was crazy. With signs that were like, do not trespass, pit bulls everywhere. Because <laughs> <laughs> you could you take left. an iron horse. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, and got it. load that on some <laughs> But anyway, go ahead. You love your building. It has its own challenges. It does in terms of that it's sometimes so industrial and sort of the raw of our whole philosophy, which is raw and refined and how the two work together to engineer space. And so it's really important that the product is sort of the refined, right? Um, Because sometimes, you know, I'll find this beautiful sort of antique, rustic, if you will, piece, and I'm like, 
we bring it to the store and I'm like, Ugh, it uh, looks a little farmy. Oh, so because the country. Ex- your interior is already yeah. rustic, you can't really put a lot of rustic in it. It makes sense. Yeah, sense. so it's when we buy antiques, it is especially challenging that, you know, they're not too rustic or too, mm-hmm. you know, um, whatever, because then sort of in the space, it starts to feel a little like too raw. So you're pairing more refined things with that raw space. That's yeah, cool. yeah. I hadn't thought of it like that, but it, yeah. it what, works. What is your, like, do you live in a house? Do you live in a loft? Like, what is the style What's of your, your address? space? <laughs> <laughs> I have a 1960s ranch. Um, <gasps> Taryn. Preach. Yeah. That's what she's got. <laughs> yeah. This is my second one. My first one was more mid-century modern. It had, like, all glass across the front and that kind of thing. And um, this one's more of your sort of traditional, you know, ranch house. Um but I love it. You know, I love the fact that it's, um, I love big rooms, but like there's something that still feels small about this house that I love. Um, I don't, I'm not a big, like big, huge house kind of guy. I always say like small houses done really, really well are amazing. Um, so, but I'm also like, I literally went um, yesterday no, Saturday, and looked um, at a potential new house. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, it didn't work out. Like, it wasn't yeah, what I but expected. But um, sort of on the market. You are? House hunting. Yeah, I need something closer. So. Uh, what mm-hmm. area are you in? Northwood Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And you work, your job's on the west side yeah, of town, which is near our office. Town, so. Well, Northwood like, Hills, it's tricky to like... So it takes me a minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, depending on the time of the day, obviously, but yeah. So this house was much closer, Moore's Mill Road, and oh yeah, that yeah, way literally closer. around the corner. Work. <laughs> you would never have to leave. That's right. You're yeah. like, I'm so close. Yes. I don't even have to leave. Which is an advantage <laughs> and a disadvantage. Yeah, exactly. Too. <laughs> well, people are always like, "Oh my God, I would live here," and I'm like, "I basically do." Right. <laughs> like, I just don't shower here. Was your house a fixer upper, or was it sort of done when you moved in? No, it was definitely a fixer upper. And it still has a ways to go, too. Like, sort of, you know, it's been a process. How have you made a 60s ranch cool? Um, I mean, I'm assuming it's cool. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, you don't know. Um, You know, I think for me, I don't view it as a 60s ranch. I think sometimes people get too locked into that, like, oh, well, it's a 60s -hmm. house or a 50s house. Like, it should feel mid-century-ish. And I don't really approach the house that way i sort of just approach the house with like all these things you know the same way we do our design projects like things that we think are going to make your house you kind of thing i have this issue in my little old ranch how do you tackle storage in the bedroom and if you renovated it then that makes sense you probably added more space that might be how but i find myself i end up with a dresser and an armoire and then my room is like Full of furniture. Yes. And then my husband's like, oh, we can put a king-size bed in here. And I'm like, no, we can't. That <laughs> bedroom that I redid recently, we had photographers come and shoot it. And they were like, wow, how do you get between the bed and the dresser? <laughs> okay, never mind then. <laughs> I was like, can we not show that in the photograph? Uh, Back up. No. Uh, we just told the world. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's I don't really have that problem because I'm single, right? So yeah. it's like... It's a three-bedroom house, so basically one of the rooms is a closet. <laughs> Do you have a king-size bed? I have a, no, I have a queen-size bed. So you bed. don't need the king either. Yeah, yeah. That's mm, I, have, I mean, a lot of people swear by not having a king. You know, I have a king. 
But remember, Anne Mashmore is telling us they have a double bed. No, they have Whoa. a full. Yeah, a full. Yeah, double. Is a and her full. husband is like six two. No wonder they have five kids. That's all I've got I'm to like, say. They sleep really. <laughs> you close. can't even avoid each other. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah, I. It's just funny because again, the space is so small that I do need the armoire and the big dresser yeah, and everything in there. And so, yeah, just because yeah. I, I also I should make another room a closet for sure. But I've run out of run out of rooms. Could you call I, a carpenter? Yeah. Oh, well, I just could. Like, add on to I the could, back or what? But I no, would. I want to knock the house down if I'm calling him. <laughs> just knock the whole thing. No. Well, okay. um, okay. So I have a really tiny closet. It's like 40 inches wide, and that's. Like, literally it. So I had a carp, And none of the, like, pre-made closet solution thing, like the, you know, the Ikea or like the Alpha, Alpha or any of that stuff, of they weren't, they would go, like, 36. So then I'm losing. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm yeah. going to want to divide it. Anyways. Um, so I had a carpenter come and, like, build me exactly what I wanted. Adjustable right. shoe shelves, adjustable rods. And, I mean, it wasn't, like... Super cheap, but it yeah. it wasn't cheaper like, than a renovation. Yeah, and and cheaper probably than what it would have cost to get like an alpha system. We're so. getting a closet right now over in Brookhaven. Um, we're doing the whole house, but the closet is sort of the same idea I was talking about. Um, the wife is a stylist, an apparel stylist, so one entire bedroom in that house has been converted to sort of this huge closet slash studio for her (laughs) and we literally took what was the original closet in the house and made that all shoes but because the whole thing was all shoes of the original closet closet. like how how big big? is this closet yeah tell us how big we're drilling it's like a guest bedroom normal like with sort of sliding glass or sliding door closet so like a six foot closet of shoes yes all right keep Um, talking so we took the doors off and sort of popped out the wall a little bit, and we literally doubled her space for shoes in the closet um, just by using this sort of sliding mechanism that we were able to, like, sort of double stack them. Um, and then the then we built custom cabinetry all in the rest of the room and double stacked it. Um, oh, for all that's awesome. It's pretty cool. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Is it one of the big new homes or is it an older home? It's a new home. So with a new home, I have this question because I feel like I walk into so many people's new homes in that area, and it's just so everything's so big. Again, every the ceilings are so high, everything is so big. Yeah. How do you come into and make a place like that cozy? Like, I think that goes back to one of our original conversations around scale. You know, it's all about the size. People, if they are left to their own devices, they either buy way too big or way too small. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, you thought that sofa was going to fit in your living room? Um, or, you know, the opposite. It's like, oh, you could have done two sofas in right. here mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, um, you know, I think that that's um, the biggest thing is that aspect of scale. And, like, really, it's not about how many things you have in a mm-hmm. room, but are they a, the appropriate fit? So how 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 do you know? Like how, I mean, like how can we coach people to Draw figure out scared. that right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> right? Go ahead. Like, is, it just, yeah. is it just a matter of the dimensions, or is it also like the arm, the back, the you know? 
you know, shape. For the person who doesn't have an interior designer, I always say mark it off. Buy yourself some blue painter's tape huh. and mark off the size of whatever it is you're considering buying, whether it's a dining table, sofa, whatever. Mark it off in your room, sort of live with it for a day, and that'll give you an idea of like what that's really going to feel like in your room mm-hmm. and tends to help. You know, okay. at West Elm, um, our home stylists that we were sending into people's homes weren't designers, you know, they weren't trained, you know, um, interior designers. They were, you know, people who had great style and great taste. And um, so it was always about how do you teach this person to go into a home and sort of evaluate, you know, what's right and what isn't without being formally trained. And um, so that was like one of our little tricks. Mm-hmm. sort of tape things off for people. That's a good one. Okay. How do you handle the large walls? Because oh, I feel yeah, like there's like always the so much story wall space. Or, mm-hmm. And especially, I feel like a lot of people with those big homes are just starting out too. Yeah. So they're not going to be able to invest in a million right. artist originals. How would you advise someone, I guess, to deal with those big walls? So many walls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think a couple things like um, never underestimate the value of amazing drapery. Um, I think that's super important because it sort of tends to like, if done right, it, you know, will, it'll help scale the room for you, if you will. Um, the other thing is not being afraid of large scale art. I think a lot of people like think, oh, well, I really like this artist, so I'm going to buy this like, you know, 20 by 24 piece and then I'll buy this other 24 by 24 piece or whatever and you know where sometimes it's like save your money for that big piece right. that sort mm-hmm. of yeah. statement piece that's going to really make the room and yeah don't do a gallery wall in every room don't do it no ever <laughs> yeah oh, you yeah. hate them in general let's I talk know. about that go I sort of do <gasps> you're allowed to um, you 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 know you remind me of you remind me of um Nancy Braithwaite, she likes the power statement. Yeah. I feel like you're a power statement yeah. guy. But the power statement can be literally anything. Like, it can be a rug, you know. Mm-hmm. I have this plaster study that we we originally used that study in the Serenby Show House in 2016. Um, it was one of those things that we found you know, at an antique dealer. And I was like, yeah, that's going home with me. So <laughs> she does live with me now. Um, <laughs> although she's coming back to the shop. Um, we found a place for her. But anyway, um, yeah, so it can sort of be anything. And for me, like in the room I have her in, she's like the power statement of that room. And she's only like, I don't know, what, 20 inches long and, um, you know, like 14 inches wide. But, you know, she makes such a statement. And she's sort of everyone, anyone who sees her, they always go, what is this thing? Yeah. Where did it come from? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's important is, you know. So tell us your aversion to gallery walls. <laughs> um, Controversy. Get away from that. Uh, you know, honestly, Convert. I think it's probably my West Elm days. Ah, okay. <laughs> we, like, I think we invented gallery mm-hmm. walls. Um I feel like it, in, it existed maybe in Europe yeah. a couple hundred years before that. <laughs> yes, you were correct. <laughs> the modern day gallery wall. But it feels you like we it back so ingrained <laughs> in them. And, um, you know, I Did think it we kind of make you want to vomit towards the end. Yeah. You know, it was like, oh, let's do a how to video on how to, mm-hmm. how to create a gallery wall. And I'm like, uh, um, <laughs> but yeah. 
I don't love, you know, I do love a wall that has collected and curated things on it. And, you know, we have an artist that, um, a photographer specifically that we love at the shop, Jefferson Heyman out of New York. And um, we sell his work and we always collage his pieces together. Um, just because the size is right, but they're all in like different frames. I think what I'm opposed to is when people are like, every frame has to be exactly the same. Oh, yeah. And they're yeah. the same size. And mm-hmm. yeah. the matching gallery wall. It sort of defies the whole point and, of the gallery wall. And it lacks any texture or any. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's like going and buying. A, a room in a box right. or a bed in a bag mm-hmm. or any of that. You know, you want all of it to feel like Curated. it's a picture of you. Right. It's, yeah. it's a reflection of you in your home right. and your your passions. And you can't buy it all at once and have it do that. Someone recently asked us to come to their house and um, hang family pictures on the gallery wall. And I was like, yeah, we don't really do that. <laughs> I was like, sorry. <laughs> you fit perfectly with Karen. <laughs> I don't like family photos. Yeah. Okay, well, I loved something you mentioned about going back to styling the store about wood, glass, and metal in every space. Is right. that a formula that you use for your design clients as well? Oh, definitely. Um, I wouldn't say like necessarily or specifically wood, glass, and metal, but we certainly approach every area and we're like, what are the what's the mix of materials in mm-hmm. here? Um, is there something glass? Is there something wood? Is there something upholstered? You know, so we certainly approach it from a mix of materials standpoint. What about the mixing of metals? How do you deal with clients who feel like that's frightening? You know, I think for me, what we try to do is stay within the same family. Like, so if it, it might be a couple of shades of brass or a couple of shades of stainless steel or whatever, but, um, you know, and I think it also depends greatly on their proximity to each other. Um, we had a project or have a project that we're working on out in Ackworth, Georgia, and um, we installed this beautiful um, sort of, uh, you know, antique brass fittings for all the shower, the plumbing part of the shower. But then the um, door to the glass enclosure came in a different shade of brass. Um, you know, different vendors have different mm-hmm. ideas of what antique brass is. and. Um, so come to find out that this was from a different vendor because the minute I walked into the room, it like stood out like a sore thumb. And I'm like, whoa, that is not the brass that we spec for this room. Um, well, interestingly enough, that same exact brass was on the vanity hardware. But there, because it wasn't so close to uh, the uh-huh. fittings of the shower, didn't seem to matter. But that shower door kind of sort of stood out. Because it was so close to the, the, yeah, the, so the stuff inside the shower. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the proximity of I, of those different sort of shades, I think, are really important. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, you know, I think it depends. It depends on the room and, um, and again, their adjacency to each other. If you were getting kitchen hardware today for a new kitchen for yourself, or an old kitchen for yourself. If you're just replacing your kitchen hardware today, what finish would you get? Um, you know, I will say the last four kitchens we've done, we did brass. Um, 
and I love it. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's our go-to every time without fail, uh, but I do love good old brass hardware. Um, I just think it looks better with age. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that, and I think the way brass is done now is sort of timeless, if you will. I know I said there wasn't timeless. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think that brass today is different than it was, you know, 30 years ago. Sure. So, mm-hmm. um to me, it feels sort of like the chrome of, you know, the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, one thing I also loved is I feel like lamps are so dramatic in your store. They're almost like sculptures or pieces of furniture. Like, they're overscaled for the most part. They are. What is it about a lamp that you love in a Talk large size? Yes. And, like, how, I don't know, how do we bring more lighting into our space? Yeah, you know, I think for me, um, lighting is so important, and um, the lamp size is super important. So, you know, I think it's probably why that small lamp is on my bathroom vanity, sort you know, because it's a small vanity. Um, so for that lamp, it looks really big in there. And mm-hmm. um, but in regard to the store, um, you know, we carry a lot of Paul Schneider lamps and, you know, they're handmade. And I always tell people they're hand turned on a potter's wheel in Dallas, Texas. And for me, um, Paul understands scale and proportion better than like anyone I know. Um, it's just like those lamps always turn out like perfect in every way. Mm-hmm. and perfectly imperfect you know so mm-hmm. um because there'll be like pinholes or you know because um, they're handmade That's yeah the exactly mm-hmm. um so i think you know we use those in ways in our projects and in the shop um to sort of like bring attention to a piece that might not seem as important um and i think a lot of times people overlook lamps and you know Paul Schneider lamps aren't inexpensive. So, you know, I tell people all the time, it's sort of like a sofa. You do the math, right? You're probably going to have that lamp a long time um, if you, you know, buy better, fewer things, which is one of our little tags that we talk about all the time. Um, But you're probably going to have that lamp a long time. And, you know, if you do the math, it's an investment piece to begin with. But, you know, once you've had it 20 years and... Yes, you've had to change out the shade a couple of times, but the lamp is still, you know, as beautiful as the day you bought it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's super important to a room. And whether it's a, you know, the other thing I think people overlook a lot um, in lighting are um, picture lamps. Um, you know, the ability to really highlight, and it doesn't matter the cost of the art that it's going over, but, you know, I think being able to sort of like highlight that piece of art just causes this like, you know, attention to it that might not have been, you know, called to it otherwise. And where do you where does great one idea. get a picture lamp? Because there are really cheap ones and then there are like really expensive ones. How do you Yeah, what's the difference? Yeah. What are you getting in an expensive one? Um, you know, I think that with anything, there's it's about how it's constructed. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some out there that, you know, I would say that if the proportion of a picture lamp isn't exactly right, it will be, you know, sort of what I call top heavy, meaning the actual lamp part that it stands out from the wall. So it's always going to feel like it's falling out of your walls. Do you yeah. remember those shelves that everyone used to buy? I feel like Ikea started this, but there were like the floating shelves. The floating shelf, yes. And um, West Elm did them. And 
I feel like they were always leaning every time, like I would see photos of them. And um, so, you know, I, I always like, I don't know if they're so top heavy, but like, um, it's the same thing with pitcher lamps. Like sometimes the good, the not so great ones are, you know, sort of, they always seem like they're falling out of the wall, no matter mm-hmm. how they're braced in there. But um, again, to me, that's like the same thing as a pendant or a chandelier in your room. It's probably going to be there a really long time. Um, so buy a good one. Um, you know, I think that that is really just how it's constructed and goes back to sort of where it's made and who, who made it. But there's some good ones out there. Um, you know, there are some places in Atlanta that have good ones, you know, small local shops, as well as um, some of the big bot stores. Can you get one at your your framer? Uh, or no, it's more of a lighting, a lighting store okay. or, you know, circa lighting, um, lamp art, you know, those type okay. places. All right, so you can't put one on every piece of art, right? Because then you look stupid. Yeah. So. (laughs) How do you choose? Yes. How much is too much? What? How many should I have? You know, I think it just depends on like I I wouldn't do one in every room. I think it depends on how important you know that particular. What's that? (laughs) Only on my Picasso. Yeah, exactly. Um, Or only on the piece you did yourself. Right. (laughs) My art. Yeah. So this one I did. You know, and it depends on the room. Like, uh, I love symmetry in a room. So, you know, I think if you were doing one piece of art on each side of a doorway or one really large piece, like having a picture lamp above, that would be a nice way to sort of balance that out. I feel like we should do some questions. Oh, like a decorating dilemma? Yeah. Oh, our yes. decorating dilemmas. We need your expert advice to help our listeners solve their decorating dilemmas. Um, I am just going to read this first one since you don't have it. But there are no Caroline photos anyways. did so. not print out the dilemma. I'm sorry, guys. Week. She's fired. Um, that... You are actually fired. Thank <laughs> yeah. you so much. Actually, except who's going to actually do the work? Yeah, you're right. fired. My own copy. So this Thank is the last episode did. of the podcast. <laughs> Bradley actually did bring his own. Thank yes. you for yes, being the only you. responsible person yes. at the table. <laughs> All right, you go ahead. Okay. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. I have thoroughly enjoyed the podcast since discovering it a few weeks ago and have since been binge listening. Is that a thing? We are currently planning a complete remodel of a small foot print full bath off our hallway and i envision something with a mix of styles my question lucky for me we live in athens but honestly atlanta seems athens, a world georgia yes athens georgia sorry not athens not greece, greece. <laughs> it's like an hour from atlanta for y'all yeah. who don't yeah. live here but honestly atlanta seems a world away when it comes to navigating shops and good venues for sourcing tile tubs and good lighting can y'all recommend a few stores where i could use a good selection of higher quality tile in or where i could see a good selection of higher quality tile in person i already tried the big box options and i'm not finding what i'm looking for i'm having i'm really having fun with this process and look forward to exploring atl and all it has to offer for stylish options to bring into my home thanks for any advice Bradley, where do you like to get tile? Um, you know, I love tile from Renaissance Tile, um, which is in Adak West, which, mm-hmm. yes, as an everyday consumer, you can shop there. You which don't is have to great. have a designer. I love that, that yeah, they did that. I love that. that. Um, so we do a lot there. Um, I also love Walker's Angler. 
um, over in Miami Circle. Um, that's you know definitely on the higher end scale of things. Um, but we find great things too, depending on budgets at like Floor and Decor. And I know she says that she tried the big box guys, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure if that means more like Home Depot kind of right. thing. But um, Floor and Decor here in Atlanta has some really great options that are super affordable. And you know, I always say it's not necessarily yes, the tile itself matters, but um, it's also the pattern of how you're going to lay the tile, um, as well as the grout you choose. Like, is it a contrasting grout? Is mm -hmm. it a matching grout? Like, all those things can cause such drama in a bathroom. And, right. you know, if you think about something as simple as, like, hello, subway tile, it's, like, super hot right now, right? And to the point where I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's so overdone. It's timeless, as and, people yeah. keep saying. I'm like, I'm no like, more subway tile. Time. Do not show me a subway <laughs> Too tile. Too bad it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but, you know, if you think about a white sub subway tile with like a, you know, jet black grout, yeah. it all of a sudden creates this like amazing drama. And I think that's what people want in their bathrooms and mm -hmm. something that, you know, sort of feels like it's a little more interesting than just a white piece of tile. But, um, you know, in that you can certainly get a, a place like floor and decor and, you know, not have to spend a fortune. The thing that I, I think, first of all, I already emailed this chick back because I didn't realize we would talk about it on the podcast because I thought she wanted to go shopping like tomorrow. So I was like, okay. I said all the things you said. Believe it or not, I feel like I channeled you. Yay. And I threw in Ann Sykes. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. But you're right. I do think that going to those higher end places gives you, you can get the idea of what you want mm -hmm. yeah. and then go over to floor and decor, which is where I got my tile yeah. for my house. And then, but it's, you know, floor and decor can be overwhelming if you don't know what you want. Cause it's mm -hmm. aisles and aisles and aisles and aisles of tile. It all starts mm -hmm. to look delightful. Yeah. And you're like, ah, is this expensive? Is this not yeah. expensive? So go to a, a low. And I did the same thing with my hardware for my house too. Like I went to the, the nicest places I could find yep. and looked around, Smart. figured out the kind of the feeling and the vibe that I wanted. And then I went mm -hmm. and tried to find something that I could afford. Yeah. She could also do, which is something you've done. I'm staring at it right now. Um, a combination, like maybe if she goes to, one of you know a place in ADAC or something and she falls in love she could get that for like a small area yeah mm -hmm. yeah like, like if it's a small if it's maybe a half she just bath, does a, maybe it is a floor like just the floor yeah. Yeah. yeah and then she does a white subway or right. some other more your favorite you know yeah. <laughs> like um planes something plain from floor Simple. decor yeah, yeah I love I'm that looking idea. at your backsplash, which is chevron, and it's so cute. Mm -hmm. love it. She is. She did say luxury, so girl, go. Yeah, get in there. Absolutely. Also, I want you got the budget. Oh, her life. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't think I've used the word luxury to describe anything right. in, my, in my life. We actually just stopped using the word luxury at the store because I think, like, in a lot of our communication and stuff like that, we were saying like, "Oh, where luxury's humble origins began." Yeah, and it just I think. The you connotation know, a little off-putting yeah i think people assume <laughs> that that means like Expensive. oh i can't afford mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. so like and I it's just like did. well no that's not what we mean right the niceness of luxury is sort of what we're referring to a lot of times not necessarily the cost yeah and it's what's luxury to you Hi, ladies and gentlemen. I love the podcast. It feels like a conversation with friends who love decorating and design even more than I do. Your warmth and humor comes across in each episode. When I heard the call for decorating dilemmas, I knew I could deliver you one. She's talking about me. <laughs> my oh dilemma my has to do with our master bedroom we live in a 1923 house american foursquare with some craftsman touches which is lovely and has loads of character but basically not 
right angles left anymore. Our master bedroom faces the street, and if you lean out the windows on the side wall, you could practically touch my neighbor's mother-in-law apartment above his garage. As you can see from the detail photo, one of the street facing windows is noticeably closer to the ceiling than the other. One is also right up against the side wall where my closet is. How can I cover these windows so it doesn't look weird? I would like to not draw attention to the fact that the edges in the house are a little bit um, Susian. Yeah. <laughs> and we also Susian, like Dr. Seuss. Oh, <laughs> got it. And we also need privacy. The current shades are left over from the previous owner. My second question is, how do I work with that fireplace? Um, the All the furniture in the photos is my husband's bachelor days and have basically given a stay of execution. That is why they are still there. Wait, I, can I ask a question? Does, does every bachelor shop at the same exact store? Because this looks exactly <laughs> no. like the furniture my husband this brought to our marriage. Also, <laughs> can, I, can I say that your son's 24-year-old apartment in New York is like way <laughs> way nicer than this because no. I imposed you- <laughs> myself on the poor kid. I'm like, I know. Saying, just saying that his future spouse <laughs> has already got a leg up. Yes, but see, Mary here is just obviously loves him so because yeah. she let him drag that stuff in. Well, there's not much there. That's true. Right. There's not much to expunge. All basically did I, did the I last anything. Yeah, sorry. The last just bit of her question just says her style is more is new traditional. Okay. So, all right, I want to hear what you've got to say. I'm so excited. First of all, new traditional means getting rid of ceiling fans. Just saying. All right, good. (laughs) I like that call. Yep. Um, I know some people are like, I have to have my ceiling fan. She does live in Texas. Just throwing that out. They have air conditioning there. But she might, yeah, she might not. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. I think I skipped that detail when I was reading. So, Um, you know. (laughs) This was a tough one because, you know, when I first glanced at it, at my first initial thought was like, oh, well, she should just not do an inside mount Roman shade. Um, she should do an outside mount and have the Roman shade custom made to be a little larger than the actual window mm-hmm. so that you miss the um, so that you're that the attention isn't drawn to the actual casement because right now in the photo, the casement is painted a different color from the wall, mm-hmm. which automatically causes attention to it. And because they're not level, um, it looks like probably there was an addition at some point or something. But um, because of that, I think that, you know, sort of we're already drawing attention to it. So I was like, oh, let's do an outside Mount Roman shade. And then you like lose that. The problem with that is on that left justified mm-hmm. window, it literally butts up to the, corner the, wall. Of the wall. Yeah. So it's sort of like you're going to have all this space on the right side of the room that you're not on the left and it's going to feel heavy. Um, so then I went to sort of my like old tried and true, just drape the whole wall. So mm-hmm. one, it feels like they're probably not raising these roaming shades often considering that the neighbor net store is like within oh, yeah. arm's reach. <laughs> so I would say just lose the windows all com- you know completely with wall to wall drapery. Yes. Um, it's actually what I have in my bedroom is you know there's a window behind my bed that sort of no matter what I did anywhere else in the room it felt like that window was sort of like the focal point. It's where your eye went. So I just did, you know, a drapery rod that runs 14 feet across the entire room or whatever it is, um, and did a wall of drapes, floor to ceiling. And then that way you lose the windows completely. 
um, especially if you're not using them for light or you know nature mm-hmm. or whatever and then that's going to draw more attention to this fireplace which i know was like part two of her question anyway because um, right now it's like you know what's the focal point in the room is it the fireplace or is it these two windows that are mm-hmm. <laughs> uneven well, she's got five windows in this room yeah, she has- yeah. Two behind her bed, flanking the fireplace, and then one if you're laying in the bed on the wall to the left. So you're saying the whole room put in drapery or the wall behind the bed? I would do just the wall behind the bed. So cover those two windows. Cover those two windows and then hang a piece of art above the bed from the ceiling. Love it. Um, in front of the drapery. That'll be so, like we said, luxurious. Yeah. I mean, that'll feel glamorous and yeah. amazing. And other than the fabric for the drapery, it doesn't cost that much. So it's definitely custom drapery, but, you know, and depending on the height of her ceiling, maybe not, you know. It's, right, and you can always buy. get a longer panel hemmed. Yeah, If you exactly. get a standard panel. Absolutely. Take it to the dry cleaner, which is our new best friend. Yes. I have a question Do about... Your sheets while you're <laughs> See, get the sheets pressed and get your drapery hemmed. So I have a question about the other windows. Yep. The two flanking the fireplace and the third to the left of the bed wall. Should she keep the the casement around them a contrasting color to the wall? I would not. I agree. Especially not in this situation where it seems it's either wood or dark brown. I can't tell. It's just making everything feel so chopped up. Yeah, it's very would- like almost like a shadow box mm-hmm. sort of thing happening in this room. And let the wood beams like be the hero in that room. Um, because they're just natural and beautiful and the fireplace as well like you know sort of this idea of like those are the architectural pieces of the room but instead we sort of highlighted the windows which aren't necessarily that interesting Mm -hmm. so um, on the other three windows should she put drapery panels that coordinate with the other drapery panel wall just on either side of the window? Yeah, so I think they should they could coordinate for sure, but you could also have a little bit of fun with it. You know, I think if you're one big wall of drapery, floor to ceiling drapery, um, wall to wall is either a solid linen mm-hmm. or, you know, sort of a solid, then you could actually have a little fun with the other side and that could be like a, you know, a print that complements that same color mm-hmm. or a stripe that, you know, sort of flanks that fireplace, if you will, almost as like approach it as art. You know, I think right now there's like a piece of art above the fireplace that, you know, really isn't doing anything necessarily where you could almost approach the fabric on each side of the fireplace as art. Right. Mm-hmm. What about painting the fireplace? You know, I always say that's personal preference, Mm -hmm. Um, and too, it depends on the brick. If the brick is ugly, paint it. Um, Here it looks like it's, you know, fairly standard, you know, sort of deep red brick, which I personally love, and it seems like it has this, like, you know, sort of inlay. It feels like it's an old bungalow or Mm craftsman-style house. Mm -hmm. So there's always this, like, really natural, beautiful element to that. And, you know, I think that... um, you know, I would worry less about the brick in that fireplace, which I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm supposed to paint it. And you certainly can, um, and, and it'll be beautiful. I would worry more about that tile in front of it. Um, making, oh, on the floor. Yeah, mm-hmm. that part of the hearth. So, you know, I would make that 
um, feel really special and interesting and, you know, sort of the pieces that you style around that. So what's on the mantle and, you know, how mm-hmm. are you getting some scale there? And maybe it's actually not a piece of art because what's happening here with that art is because it's sort of the same, it's smaller, but it's the same shape as the window. Right, it's tall and It's thin. like, is it a third window? <laughs> like, what is that? Yeah. Uh, versus like, if it had some dimension, this room needs some dimension. So, you know, I would maybe look at, you know, like this wall hanging sculpture kind of thing that would give you some dimension to that. I feel like she needs something round on this wall. Somewhere. There's a yeah. lot of, maybe yeah, it's like not a squares. mirror over the mantle. Maybe it's just like a round, um, you know, standing sculpture or something. Because yeah. it's like a lot of a squares. above a fireplace. So. Yeah. yeah. So how would you get scale and stuff around? What would you decorate this wall with? The, the By fireplace, the fireplace yeah. It's a big room. It is a big room. I feel like she needs something at the foot. Of, well, she needs a bed. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right now there's a real just bed. sort of a, you know, no frame or it's a, a mattress. Bed. Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, and what's great about that whole wall of drapery that we were talking about is then you're also not like trying to force a headboard or a certain size in between two windows. Mm -hmm. Or you don't get that awkwardness that sometimes happens of like, you know, oh, it's the nightstand isn't lined up with the window kind of thing. So you've got this like blank canvas to work with. And it doesn't matter how big your bed is or how big the side tables are. But, you know, I think that, um, you know, something at the foot of the bed would be nice, like a bench or, you know, whatever. I also like it's hard to tell from these photos, but like two chairs in front of that fireplace yeah. to sort of create yeah. a different seating arrangement could be nice. A little sitting place. I have, or, I, have a, I have a logistical question about your wallow, dra- wallow drapery. Yeah. Okay. So as I'm looking at it, like you mentioned, there are beams in the room, beautiful wood beams. And I'm assuming we're going to take that drapery up as far as we can. I'd split the difference between the casement and that beam. Okay. And then should she have the wall be the same color as those drapery panels, just to kind of make that all visually look the same? No, I think as long as it's the same color as the other walls, you're totally fine. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Because you're always going to have that difference anyway between the actual like top of the drapery where the pleat is um, and the rod anyway. So I think that, you know, Mm -hmm. Okay. doesn't matter. Logistically, those things are hard sometimes. It is hard. Where is it supposed to go? I don't know what I'm doing. Well, a lot of people are like, oh, I either go all the way up or I go to the casement. And I'm like, you can split the difference. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I, that's great advice. Yeah, I agree solutions. with everything. I also think there needs to be something sculptural sitting on the floor, you know, either to the left the or the right of the actual firebox. Mm. And, you know, that doesn't, this fireplace probably isn't operable. I don't know. But, you know, if it is, or it doesn't matter, like having something sort of sculptural there sitting on the floor too for scale, I think is really important. So whether that's a big basket with like massive branches or, you know, I love to bring a little bit of like floral or nature into every room, including the bathrooms. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. What was her name? On behalf of uh, Mary. Mary. (laughs) Thanks, Mary. Bradley, tell everyone where they can find and follow you, visit your store, all that good stuff. So you can find us um, on 1085 Howell Mill Road, obviously. <laughs> and Atlanta, Georgia. And hopefully um, by the time you hear this, we'll have a full-on e-commerce website at DixonRye.com. And then our Instagram is Dixon underscore Rye. And um, you should subscribe to our weekly newsletter, Quiet Decency, which we send out every Sunday. And it's sort of this visual blog that I curate and send out. 
Cool. All right, guys, that's our show. Thank you. Thank you, Bradley, Thank for you stopping for by. Me. We really appreciate it. Fun. So much fun. And uh, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast in your podcast app and send your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can answer them on a future episode. Of course, leave us a review. We love to read them and we read every single one. And the good ones I screenshot and send to Karen and Taryn. She does. And we get really excited. Ignore because. (gasps) Do we don't have any bad ones? That's true. They've all been very positive recently. Thanks, guys. Or deleted. (laughs) We're not allowed to delete them. No, it's all on iTunes. They don't let us touch that stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I quietly take their suggestions at heart and then ignore them. And cry. (laughs) I'm sure they're all amazing. Um, Also, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs, and you can find the show notes to this episode at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. And until next time, happy happy decorating. decorating.